0: So bye, bye, Miss American Pie, drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. We all know the words to the song, American Pie, one of the greatest songs ever written. But how many of us actually know the true meaning behind the song? How many of us know the story behind the lyrics? Do you realize that in the 50-plus years since that song came out, Don McLean, the writer of the song, and the singer, of course, never truly explained the lyrics behind the song or what the truth of the song actually was about. So, this left me with a mystery. You don't find that suspicious? Me being the truth-seeker that I am, after listening to the song plenty of times recently for some reason, something started to click in my head. A lot of the song actually was very prophetic and talks a lot about things that are happening today that make me wonder, how did Don McLean know about the stuff 50-plus years ago. Outwardly, the mainstream media and the majority of interpretations that you're gonna find online are gonna be telling you that the whole song is about Buddy Holly, who was Don McLean's favorite musician, and he died, and so therefore, that was the day the music died. But there's a lot more to it as far as I could see it. And so we're back with Hard Truth episode 11. We're gonna uncover the mystery behind the song American Pie. I want the truth! The truth?! You want the truth? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because after doing tons of research myself and after trying to decode some of the lyrics myself, I also found a very interesting interpretation online. Putting the photo out there on the line. Is it online? Yeah. Don't even ask me how I found it, I just like stumbled upon it and like this was like actually the the first interpretation. I actually agree with most of what's being said in here. And also like, interestingly enough, like I actually was recently reading this book, which I'm still not finished with yet, but like weird scenes inside the canyon having to do with a lot of the music that was going on in the 60s, right before the song came out. So, can you guys handle the truth about the song American Pie and the hidden meaning underneath it all? Let's get to the video now. Hope you guys enjoy my singing also. Me and James actually have some of the best carpool karaoke on earth I believe. We have some phone cards and patty. What's happening guys? Jared Weiss back here with another video on the Jared and James channel. If you guys didn't know that must mean that you're not subscribed to the channel so you know what to do. Hit that subscribe button. We should drop a like. Leave a comment. Let me know what you guys think of this video. Follow me on every platform I post regularly everywhere. Check me out wherever you guys listen to content. I'm there. So, for today's video, as you guys already know, we're going to be talking about the song American Pie, and we're going to be decoding the lyrics and getting into some very interesting cultural, religious themes that are spread throughout the song, and how a lot of that stuff like actually relates to what's going on in this current day and age. The way that I've actually decided to organize this video is I'm going to start by giving you some of my most interesting takeaways from the song, some of my biggest themes that I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be telling you some background, and then from there, we're going to be going into the full-on awesome interpretation that I found online. I don't even know who wrote this or who made this but like I found it and I think it's brilliant so like we're gonna be getting into that and I'm gonna be analyzing it. So without further ado let's get right into this. The song American Pie came out in 1971 it was written by Don McLean at the ripe young age of 24 years old this song was actually over 8 minutes long. Now once again as I mentioned during the intro there's a lot of depth within every single verse that goes way beyond the mainstream media telling you that this song only has to do with Buddy Holly and two of Don McLean's other favorite musicians dying in this plane crash. Although, of course, that is definitely a large inspiration behind the song, but like, I believe there's actually a lot more to the story. One other very interesting point that I want to address here is that around this time, in the early 1970s, late 60s, the frequency of music was also changing around this time, And so, for many, many years, music was actually played at a certain frequency, which was actually known as a healing frequency. The frequency of music was changed from 432 hertz, which was known as a healing frequency, to 440 hertz in the 1950s, I believe. But, like, I was digging a bit deeper into this, and, like, I actually found out that the change didn't really fully take place until the 1970s which is very interesting considering that the song was made in 1971. So could this idea of the music dying, Satan taking over the music industry, could this have been referencing this idea of the healing frequencies of music being changed to these more dark frequencies? And actually, just doing a quick Google search, will actually tell you that in Nazi Germany, the minister of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, ordered in 1939 to replace all tuning forks to 440 Hz. For that period, instruments were tuned 8 Hz lower to 432 Hz. So, could this have been a purposeful degradation of natural sounds and natural healing powers of music? That makes sense to me! could Be and most people online are going to call you crazy conspiracy theorists for even addressing that, but like, there's definitely a lot of truth behind it, if you ask me, as there are behind just about every conspiracy which ends up coming true. If you actually do your research and think for yourself and think critically rather than just trusting, yeah, I love that people going, What are you, a uh, conspiracy spirit? <laughs> wherever the quote unquote experts or whatever the mainstream media tells you, let's keep going. Next up, we, we have the whole MK Ultra stuff, which is very prominent in the 50s and the 60s, as I spoke about in my video on the predictive programming in the Captain America movies. In the 1950s and the 60s, we had Sidney Gottlieb and the whole CIA working to try to find out mind control techniques and much of these experiments were actually done on unwilling people, whether in prisons, whether in mental health facilities, hospitals, and the CIA's own people, Frank Olson. And much of these techniques were actually taken from Nazis who were brought over into the US post-World War II, which a lot of us don't don't ever learn about in school but thousands of Nazis came over into the U.S. post-World War II and much of this ties into Sam Tripoli's whole claim that Germany lost World War II but like the Nazis didn't actually lose they just relocated which I fully believe as well I mean how is it that these awful horrible people who murdered millions of people end up getting their records expunged and coming to the U.S. and the Soviet Union and relocating here and then being propped up to lead some of the largest three leather organizations in the US. Doesn't make much moral sense if you ask me. So now, where am I going with this? Music was actually also tied into the whole MKUltra movement, as I've learned in this book, The Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon, because something that I actually never knew prior to reading this book, even though I'm still not done with it yet, is that the hippie movement actually co-opted the whole anti-war movement. And a lot of the flower people, aka the anti-war people, actually didn't like the hippies. And many of the musicians at this time claimed to be anti-war and who claimed to be part of the whole anti-war movement and played a large role in turning people into these hippies who were constantly smoking weed, doing drugs, doing LSD. Almost all these musicians during this time were all connected to the CIA and much of their family members such as Jim Morrison's dad such as Frank Zappa and basically all the groups coming out of Laurel Canyon all had CIA ties, all had government ties I mean, Jim Morrison's dad was actually responsible for the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which never actually happened, but he was actually behind the whole reason why we got into the whole Vietnam War. But like his son, Jim Morrison, is claiming to be anti-war and claiming to be part of this whole peace movement? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? So, many of these musicians were actually responsible for giving out LSD to unwitting people, and the whole generation lost in space, tying this back into the song American Pie, had to do with the fact that so many people during the time were on drugs, and the musicians during this time were responsible for giving out much of this LSD to the people. Which is why one of my favorite lines from the song, We were all in one place, referring to Woodstock, a generation lost in space. I originally thought that this line actually meant the whole fake moon landing, or the whole fake race to get to space idea which is complete nonsense if you guys have listened to plenty of my other videos talking about the whole fake moon landing. Listen to the song Stanley Kubrick by B.O.B. That song has a ton of truth in it and I've also spoken about plenty of other things attached to this concept but after doing some more research into the song what I discovered was that this idea of a generation being lost in space was actually referring to all the people who were on drugs and who were constantly high all the time. But I called your show high! And so actually weren't being productive healthy people, they were all just like lost in space. They were all a bunch of space cadets because they were all doing LSD and they were all part of all these mind control experiments, which the musicians encouraged. And Don McLean did not like this one bit. Next up, another very powerful concept from the song that I could definitely tell is that Don McLean was definitely a very religious man and had a strong faith in God. Much of the song is about God and how God left the day the music died. And these days, what do we see? We see these openly satanic musicians openly satanic rap lyrics and even rock lyrics too and all these secret societies infecting every level of, of music and Hollywood and I'm sure this was going on during that time too but like it probably wasn't as open as it is these days so once again I see the song as being very prophetic and predicting was gonna become less God less purpose-driven and it was gonna be more about these harmful satanic principles instead one of the lyrics I saw Satan laughing with delight the day the music died and one of my other favorite lyrics towards the end of the song when we start talking about how the three men I admired the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, referring to Jesus, God, and the Holy Ghost, all took the last train for the coast the day the music died. So once again, this theme of God leaving the music, and music becoming more satanic. Moreover, the song is definitely very against communism, and Don McLean calls out people who were supporting communism and the whole communist movement during this time. Hey! And I also think that many of these lyrics are actually talking about communism infiltrating America. And what do we see these days when it comes to all of our leaders and the quote unquote people in power who really don't deserve any power at all? We see a lot of cultural Marxism and a lot of political Marxism as well coming into America. So could the song also be about losing America and American values to communism? As we know also once again, America took in Nazis post World War II. And if you watch any of mine and RJ's rabbit hole roundup episodes, you guys know about all the horrible things that our government and all of our three other organizations have done in the past hundred years and probably the past however many years and in this song Don McLean talks about John Lennon embracing Karl Marx because he- he says, and Lenin read a book on Marx, but this is actually a double meaning, because initially you may think to yourself, oh, he must be referring to Vladimir Lenin, the Soviet leader. But if you dig deeper, the song has a lot of disses towards the Beatles, and it's pretty clear that he was referring to John Lennon being a Marxist and advocating for communism. And digging further into these Beatles, as well as Rolling Stones disses in the song, because the song definitely has a lot of anti-Beatles and anti-Rolling Stones references. When McLean brings up the song Helter Skelter in the summer swell. Could this be attacking the Beatles for inspiring serial killer Charles Manson? I mean, this whole idea of Helter Skelter being the whole race war between blacks and whites and Charles Manson thought to himself that if this race war wasn't going to happen organically and on its own, he was going to bring it about himself. So therefore he started murdering certain people and blaming it on another race, which ties into the whole why he murdered Sharon Tate and her friends. But he claimed to be inspired by the Beatles song Helter Skelter. And he even wrote Helter Skelter, I believe, in blood at one of the crime scenes. Sick man, obviously, but Charles Manson was also a CIA asset and he was used in many of these MKUltra and LSD experiments on the Unwitting People because he was actually a musician himself who was in Laurel Canyon at this time. And going back to the Rolling Stones diss, he doesn't like how the Rolling Stones made the song Sympathy for the Devil. He talks about Jumping Jack Flash and coming back to the Beatles when it comes to Sgt. Pepper and he talks about how they all got up to dance but they never got the chance. Could this be referring to how the Beatles songs weren't Designed for dancing as much as this guy's favorite music, which was Buddy Holly, and many of these other dancing songs. He also this is Bob Dylan in the song being the jester. With Sergeant Pepper supposed to be referring to Aleister Crowley, the darker cultist leader who many musicians and famous people revere and subscribe to? Could be. It was twenty years ago today, Sergeant Pepper told the band to play. Could this could this idea of Black Pepper be referring to one of Aleister Crowley's nicknames for himself? Could be. And Don McLean does not like the satanic agenda in music. So now, those are all my initial thoughts. With all that being said, let's get into this guy's interpretation, which I found fantastic. And I'm going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to be analyzing it, giving my thoughts on it, where need be. But this is pretty complete stuff. This is awesome stuff. So let's get right into it. His opening thoughts are this entire song is a tribute to Buddy Holly, which is definitely a big part of it, and the commentary on how rock and roll changed in the years since his death. McLean seems to be lamenting the lack of danceable music in rock and roll and in part attributing that lack to the absence of Buddy Holly. So verse 1. A long, long time ago, this is referring to American Pie coming out in 1971 but Buddy Holly died in 1959, I can still remember how that music used to make me smile and I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. This is referring to rock and roll's earliest concoctions being about dance music, but February made me shiver. This is referring to Buddy Holly died on February 3rd, 1959 in a plane crash in Iowa during a snowstorm with every paper I deliver. Bad news on the doorstep, I couldn't take one more step. I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widow bride. This is referring to how Buddy Holly's recent bride was pregnant when the crash took place. She had a miscarriage shortly afterwards. But something touched me deep inside the day the music died. The same plane crash that killed Buddy Holly also took the lives of Richie Valens, his famous song was La Bamba, and the Big Bopper, whose famous song was Chantilly Lace. Since all three were so prominent at the time, this became known as the day the music died. So bye bye Miss American Pie, drove my Chevy to the levee but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and right, singing this'll be the day that I die, this'll be the day that I die. And this is actually referring to one of Buddy Holly's biggest hits, which was actually, that'll be the day. And the chorus actually has the line, that'll be the day that I die. Verse 2. Did you write The Book of Love? The Book of Love by the Monotones hit in 1958. And do you have faith in God above, if the Bible tells you so? In 1955, Don Cornell did a song entitled The Bible Tells Me So. Rick Schubert pointed this out and mentioned that he hadn't heard the song, so it was kind of difficult to tell if this was what McLean was referencing. There's also an old Sunday School song which goes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Or, I was actually thinking, could this also be referring to the fact a lot of people actually claim to be religious and look to the bible but don't actually have strong faith in god and don't actually realize all of god's blessings that are all around us and so like for instance a lot of people will be going to church or going to temple every weekend but then during the week they'll be doing all these unrighteous acts that are actually ungodly and ungodlike debauchery debauchery I think this could have been a reference to that as well. Now, do you believe in rock and roll? The love and spoonful had a hit in 1965 with John Sebastian's Do you believe in magic? The song has the lines, Do you believe in magic? It's like trying to tell a stranger about rock and roll. Can music save your immortal soul? And can you teach me how to dance real slow? Dancing slow was an important part of early rock and roll dance events, but declined in importance through the 60s as things like psychedelia and the 10-minute guitar solo gained prominence. So, as I actually learned in the book on Laurel Canyon, in the 1960s, a lot of music was featured around these crazy dancers who called themselves the Freaks, and they were all essentially tripping out on LSD, and once again, the 60s, as they went on, more and more people started taking LSD and getting high all the time, and this took away from much of the dance music that was happening prior to this. Well, I know you're in love with him because I saw you dancing in the gym. Once again, back then, dancing was an expression of love and carried a connotation of commitment. Dance partners were not so readily exchange as they would be later you both kicked off your shoes man i dig those rhythm and blues some history before the popularity of rock and roll music like much else in the u.s was highly segregated the popular music of black performers for largely black audiences was called first race music later softened to rhythm and blues interesting i actually never knew that in the early 50s as they were exposed to it through radio personalities such as alan freed white teenagers began listening too. Starting around 1954, a number of songs from the Rhythm and Blues charts began appearing on the overall popular charts as well, but usually in cover versions by established white artists. To the white man! By 1955, some of the Rhythm and Blues artists like Fats, Domino, and Little Richard were were able to get records on the overall pop charts. In 1956, Sun Records added elements of country and western to produce the kind of rock and roll tradition that produced Buddy Holly who was Don McLean's favorite musician. I was a lonely teenage bronch and buck with a pink carnation and a pickup truck. The song White Sport Coat and a Pink Carnation was a hit for Marty Robbins in 1957. That's what that was a reference to. But I knew that I was out of luck the day the music died. I started singing, you know the chorus, verse three. And for 10 years, we've been on our own mclean was writing the song in the late 60s about 10 years after the crash and moss grows fat on a rolling stone could this be the first disc to the rolling stones or could there be other meaning behind this let's see it's unclear who the rolling stone is supposed to be it could be bob dylan since like a rolling stone 1965 was his first major hit and since he was busy writing songs extolling the virtues of simple love family and contentment while staying at home he didn't tour from from 66 to 74 and raking in the royalties hmm that's a very interesting point so like if this guy wasn't toying during those eight or nine years but he's making all this money Moss grows fat on a rolling stone and Moss is green too so yeah. money goes fat on a rolling stone this, this guy's just sitting there and he's making all this money which isn't right to his fans this was quite a change from the earlier angrier Dylan the Rolling Stone could also be Elvis although I don't think it started to pork out by the late 60s. It could also refer to rock and rollers in general, and the changes that had taken place in the business in the 60s, especially the huge amounts of cash some of them were beginning to make, and the relative stagnation that entered music at the same time. Or perhaps it's a reference to the stagnation in rock and roll in general. But that's not how it used to be when the Jester sang for the king and queen. The Jester is definitely Bob Dylan. Who, even though mclean was actually reluctant to admit this he even said wouldn't still make a great jester and once again this is going to become more clear later there are several interpretations of, of the king and queen some think that elvis presley is the king which seems pretty obvious the queen is said to be either connie francis or little richard but see the next note an alternative interpretation is that this refers to the kennedys the king and queen of camelot who are present at Washington DC civil rights rally featuring Martin Luther King and there's a recording of Bob Dylan performing at this rally. In the quote he borrowed from James Dean. In the movie Rebel Without a Cause, James Dean has a red windbreaker that holds symbolic meaning throughout the film. In one particularly intense scene, Dean lends his coat to a guy who was shot and killed. Dean's father arrives, sees the coat on the dead man, thinks it's Dean and loses it. On the cover of the free willin' Bob Dylan, Dylan is wearing just such as Red Windbreaker and is posed in a street scene similar to the one shown in a well-known picture of James Dean. Bob Dylan also played a command performance for the Queen and Prince Consort of England, moving on, and a voice that came from you and me. Bob Dylan's roots are in American folk music with people like Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie. Folk music is by definition the music of the masses. Hence, the came from you and me. Owen, while the king was looking down, the jester stole his thorny crown. This is most likely in reference to Elvis's decline and Bob Dylan's ascendance. The thorny crown might be a reference to the price of fame. Dylan has said that he wanted to be as famous as Elvis, one of his early idols. The courtroom was adjourned, no verdict was returned. This could be the trial of the Chicago 7. Here's one of my favorite lines. especially because of the double meaning in here. And while Lennon read a book on Marx, literally John Lennon reading about Karl Marx, figuratively The introduction of radical politics into the music of the beatles the quartet practiced in the park there are two schools of thought about this the obvious one is the beatles playing in shea stadium but note that the previous line has john lennon doing something else at the same time this tends to support the theory that this is a reference to the weavers who were blacklisted during the mccarthy era you got me blacklisted at hop sings she name name McLean had become friends with Lee Hayes of the Weavers in the early 60s while performing in coffee houses and clubs in upstate New York and New York City. He was also well acquainted with Pete Seeger. In fact, McLean, Seeger, and others took a trip on the Hudson River Sing anti-pollution songs at one point. Seeger's LP, God Bless the Grass, contains many of these songs. And we sing Dirges in the Dark. A dirge is a funeral or mourning song. The day the music died, we were singing. Chorus again, bye bye Miss American Pie, drove my shepherds to the love you but love you dry, them good old boys were drinking whiskey and Mariah singing this will be the day that I die. Verse number four, Helter Skelter in the Summer Swelter. We have another Beatles reference here to the song Helter Skelter, which appears on the White Album. Charles Manson, claiming to have been inspired by the song through which he thought God and or the devil were talking to him, led his followers in the Tate-LaBianca murders, referring to Sharon Tate, the actress. Is Summer Swelter a reference to the Summer of Love or perhaps to the long hot Summer of Watts? So the Summer of Love could this be referring to the, to the whole flower and the whole hippie culture, which the Beatles were definitely a part of, but were they actually on the right side of this stuff? I don't know. Especially seeing how Charles Manson was inspired by this. Once again, this is me claiming that like the Beatles were definitely at fault for this. I mean, Charles Manson was obviously crazy. As my brother, who's a huge Beatles fan and a Beatles historian, told me he doesn't believe that anything relating to the Beatles actually influenced Charles Manson and his whole murdering spree. It was just basically a coincidence that he was tied into the Beatles. But it does beg some interesting questioning, especially considering how Charles Manson was tied in with many of the other musicians in Laurel Canyon during this time, moving along, the birds flew flew off with the fallout shelter eight miles high and falling fast. The birds eight miles high was on their late 1966 release Fifth Dimension. It was one of the first records to be widely banned because of supposedly drug-oriented lyrics. The birds were also very tied to the whole Laurel Canyon culture, as I read about. It landed foul on the grass. One of the birds was busted for possession of marijuana. Stay off. THE WEED! Now, this part, I've actually been wondering about this for a while now, because this whole part never really made much sense to me. But, the players tried for a forward pass, obviously a football metaphor, but what is this referring to deeper? It could be the Rolling Stones, because they were waiting for an opening, which didn't really happen until the Beatles broke up. But the jester on the sidelines in the cast. On July 29, 1966, Bob Dylan crashed his Triumph 55 motorcycle while riding near his home in Woodstock, New York, he spent nine months in seclusion while recuperating from the accident. Now, the halftime air was sweet perfume, that's a reference to all the drugs in the 60s, while the sergeants played a marching tune. The Beatles' song, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which as I spoke about earlier, could Sergeant Pepper be a reference to Aleister Crowley and how he actually influenced plenty of musicians with his dark occultist beliefs and how John Lennon actually, actually was known to have an interest in Aleister Crowley's works? I don't know, once again, my brother's going to disagree with me on that, but like, I do think at the very least we have to ask these questions. Or perhaps McLean refers to the Beatles' music as marching because it's not music for dancing. Alternatively, the marching tune could refer to the draft and the Vietnam War. We all got up to dance, but we never got the chance. The Beatles' 1966 Candlestick Park concert only lasted 35 minutes, or, following on from the previous comment, perhaps he meant that there wasn't any music to dance to. This guy Don McLean does not like the Beatles, it's pretty evident. Because the players tried to take the field, the marching band refused to yield. This could be a reference to the dominance of the Beatles on the rock and roll scene. For instance, the Beach Boys released Pet Sounds in 1966, an album which features some of the same sort of studio and electronic experimentation as Sgt. Pepper, but the album sold poorly because the Beatles Released got most of the press. Some folks think this also refers to either the 1968 Democratic Convention or Kent State. This might also be a comment about how the, the dominance of the Beatles in the rock world led to more pop art music leading in turn to a lack of traditional rock and roll. Or once again this could be referring to the draft once again. The government, the military-industrial complex, refused to exceed the demands of the peace movement which as I spoke about earlier the hippie movement and the peace movement were actually not connected originally but when the CIA and all these musicians who were connected to that all co opted the whole peace movement and the anti war movement much of this stuff got mingled together, and a lot of this stuff ended up supporting the whole military-industrial complex. And, once again, when all these people were high on drugs during the 60s, were they actually thinking for themselves, or were they essentially under this MK Ultra mind control? Which leads to giving consent to war, and not even paying attention to what's really going on. Do you recall what was revealed the day the music died? We started singing chorus once again, and they were all in one place, Woodstock. Obviously a generation lost in space. Some people think this is a reference to the US space program which it might be, but this seems a bit too literal. Maybe this is a reference to the hippies who were sometimes known as the lost generation partially because of their particularly acute alienation from their parents, and partially because of their presumed preoccupation with drugs, as I spoke about earlier. It calls to be a reference to the awful TV show Lost in Space, whose title was sometimes used as a synonym for someone who is rather high, but this guy keeps hoping that McLean had better taste. <laughs> With no time left to start again, the lost generation spent too much time being stoned and had wasted their lives Or perhaps their preference for psychedelia had pushed rock and roll so far from Buddy Holly's music that it couldn't be retrieved at this point. So come on Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. Probably a reference to Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones' Jumpin' Jack Flash, which was released in May 1968. Jack Flash sat on a candlestick, the Rolling Stones' Candlestick Park concert, possibly. Cause fire is the devil's only friend. It's possible that this is a reference to the Grateful Dead's Friends of the Devil. An alternative interpretation of the last four lines is that they may refer to Jack and his quick decisions during the Cuban Missile Crisis the Candlestick Slash Fire, referred to ICBMs and nuclear war. But I was actually just thinking, could this also be a reference to the Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil? And fire is the devil's only friend, so could that be dissing the Rolling Stones? And so therefore, like, this is actually saying that darkness, or fire, is the devil's only friend, and so if the Rolling Stones have sympathy for the devil, then they're essentially this dark group. And as I watched them on the stage, My hands were clenched in fists of rage. No angel born in hell could break that Satan's spell. While playing a concert at the Altamont Speedway in 1968, the Stones appointed members of the Hell's Angels to work security on the advice of the Grateful Dead. In the darkness near the front of the stage, a young man named Meredith Hunter was beaten and stabbed to death by the angels. Public outcry that the song Sympathy for the Devil had somehow incited the violence caused the Stones to drop the stone from the show for the next six years. This incident is chronicled in the documentary film Gimme Shelter. It's also possible that McLean views the Stones as being negatively inspired by virtue of sympathy for the devil due to his religious background, which ties into my belief on the last line. There's satanic majesty's request and so on. I find this a bit puzzling since the early Stones recorded a lot of roots rock and roll, including Buddy Holly's Not Fade Away. The next line reads, and as the flames climbed high into the night to light the sacrificial rite, so this could be a reference to Jimi Hendrix burning his Stratocaster at the Monterey Pop Festival, it's also possible that this refers to the burial of Kennedy, but I'm not sure I buy this. For one thing, it doesn't fit chronologically, and for another, McLean seems more interested in music than politics. I actually disagree with that, because based on a lot of these references, based on a lot of what I see going on these days, I think a lot of his references were actually to politics as well, and he was actually viewing politics through music i saw satan laughing with delight the day the music died he was singing chorus once again i met a girl who sang the blues janice joplin this is referring to and i asked her for some happy news but she just smiled and turned away janice died of an accidental heroin overdose on october 4th 1970 which was shortly before the song was made i went down to the sacred store where i'd heard the music years before there are two interpretations of this the sacred store was bill graham's fillmore east one of the great rock and roll venues of all time. Alternatively, this refers to record stores and their long-time then discontinued practice of allowing customers to preview records in the store. It could also refer to record stores as sacred because this is where one goes to get saved. See, above lyric, can music save your mortal soul? But the man there said the music wouldn't play. Perhaps he means that nobody's interested in hearing Buddy Holly's music, or as above, the discontinuation of the in-store listening booths. And in the streets, the children screamed. This is referring to the flower children being beaten by police and National Guard troops, possibly. The lovers cried and the poets dreamed. The trend towards psychedelic music in the sixties, but not a word was spoken. The church bells all were broken. It could be that the broken bells of the dead musicians neither can provide any more music and this is another one of my favorite lines as i mentioned earlier and the three men i admire most the father son and the holy ghost this could be referring to what i believe is the catholic aspects of the deity considering how mclean had attended several catholic schools or this guy is thinking it could also be holly the big bopper and valens or hank williams presley and holly or jfk Martin luther king and bobby kennedy all interesting options they caught the last train for the coast i think this is this is referring to how God was leaving music in a lot of ways and how music was becoming more and more satanic the day the music died. And they were singing chorus end of song. And there are also like some other notes I want to share from this post song interpretation because this guy definitely did his research. I don't even know who this guy is or what his name is but like he definitely gave a very complete interesting explanation for all this stuff and this is what i've been seeking out and this is what i've been searching for for the past several months now actually so one american pie is supposed to be the name of the plane that crashed containing the three guys that died then he also says dan stanley mentioned an interesting theory involving all this roughly put he figures that that if holly hadn't died then we would not have suffered through the fabian pat boone era and as a consequence we wouldn't have needed the beatles holly was moving pop music away from the stereotypical Boy says girl love lost slash found lyrical ideas and was recording with unique instrumentation and techniques things that the Beatles wouldn't try until about 1965. Perhaps Bob Dylan was stuck with the rock and roll he played in high school and the birds never would have created an amalgam of Dylan songs and Beatle arrangements. But also a lot of this ties into the CIA, Tavistock Institute, influencing music and wanting it to be a certain way. He goes into some other stuff that this guy doesn't believe and I frankly don't believe it either. He gives all these references for the meaning of the song, for where he did his reading I just want to share these just to show you guys where much this research is coming from. This is also very interesting. In 2015, Don McLean auctioned off the original manuscript for the song American Pie and includes the famous lost verse shown below. The final verse of the recorded version describes a bleak America. The music has gone, and even the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are heading for the coast. But his notes offer the tantalizing prospect of a lost, redemptive verse. It describes falling to his knees to pray, and I promised to give all I have to give, if only he would make the music live again. Here's the lost verse. And there I stood alone and afraid, I dropped to my knees, and there I prayed. And I promised him everything I could give, if only he would make the music live. And he promised it would live once more, but this time one would equal four, and in five years, four had come to mourn, and the music was reborn. Interesting, that's a very hopeful take. I like that, Don McLean, giving that lost verse some hope. Going further into the second interpretation that this author gives, the line, can music save your mortal soul? Given all that, can music help you get through life? I'm sorry I can't answer that. All these questions ask about life and if God exists. So maybe is it possible that as the music was changing, Don McLean was praying to God and was having questions about God and about his strong faith in general? Could be. Because he was so upset and during times of severe distress and during confusing times, some people often start to question their faith. Coming back to the line, and Moss scores fat on a rolling stone, Bob Dylan wrote like a rolling stone in 1965. This was his first major change from folk music. In late 1966, Dylan was involved in a motorcycle accident and hid in his house in Woodstock, New York for a good year, hence the fat, and the moss shows the time change. Dylan didn't really get his muse back till 1975. Interesting. But that's not how it used to be. McLean liked Dylan as a folk singer in the early 60s more than his folk rock style in the mid-60s. Coming back to the line, the courtroom was adjourned, no verdict was returned. This is a very interesting interpretation. Could this be dealing with the Kennedy assassination? Lee Harvey Oswald was never convicted because he was murdered, and as many of us know by now, the CIA and the government was involved in the killing of Kennedy. So. Is that why no verdict was returned? That's what I think. And while Lennon read a book on Marx, once again, I already spoke about the line, but could this be about the Beatles' music becoming more political? Songs like Revolution in 1968, which actually mentions Chairman Mao, were much different than Love Me Do in 1963. Many American adults thought the Beatles were bad for the American youth, especially after Lennon's remark in 1966 about Christianity. He said Christianity will go It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue with that. I'm right and I will be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. This started anti-Beatles burnings and such. That's some wild stuff out there from John Lennon. There's a lot of stuff in here that I actually never knew about. Coming back to the line, Helter Skelter in the Summer Swelter, the second interpretation reads, Charles Manson is one of the most dangerous serial killers ever. In the summer of 1968, he massacred an entire family because of the Beatles' song Helter Skelter, which appeared on the White Album. He thought that the Beatles were warning America about the racial conflict and it was coming down fast. He thought the Beatles were the four angels mentioned in the book of Revelation in the Bible. Manson wrote the title of the song on the wall in blood after committing these murders. Also he thought in Revolution 9 that Lennon was saying rise instead of right. thought the line, they need a damn good whacking from piggies. We're telling him to kill people. Coming to the line, do you recall what was revealed the day the music died? This is very prophetic. So what was revealed? Well, look at today. The president is more corrupt now than ever. As Dr. Evil says in Austin Powers, face it, freedom failed. Or more accurately, the protest failed. The government is more corrupt now than ever before. McLean wasn't a big sixes fan, and here he is putting down the efforts of the foul generation. And a lot of this comes back to today, everything going on these days. The government is more powerful now than ever. The military-industrial complex is more powerful now than ever. And so, what were all those anti-war protests really about, especially when these days it's so easy for the mainstream media and the propagandists get everyone on board with war coming back to the line about the song "Jumpin' jack flash which was a hit for the rolling stones and this song mick jagger compares himself with jesus this line comes from the nursery rhyme that has the line jack be nimble jack be quick jack jack jumps over a candlestick and because fire is the devil's only friend Stone sold out to the devil. That's what he's implying here. Their song Sympathy for the Devil proves that they were desperate to sell their records. So guys, let me know your thoughts on the song in the comments below. Let me know how you think I did with my interpretation. Let me know what your thoughts are on the interpretation that I was reading. I know that this was a much longer solo video compared to the ones I usually do, but like I found this to be a very interesting topic, so I hope that you guys found it interesting as well. Let me know if you guys want to see more videos like this. Anyways, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Be sure to drop a like, leave a comment let me know what you guys think of this video and i will catch you guys in the next one peace